Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs, and discussion groups, workshops, seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. And through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. Today, you got me, Joel Tetzner. (laughs) Tina and Jenny are taking a much-needed break. Jenny is... Off scouring the planet, I think, in some third world country. No, she's just taking a break. Tina, she is planning out on the the loft schedule for this coming summer and fall. So today, you've got the boys. Not only got me, but you also have our guest, Mark Nicholas. He's the founder of Transform Retirement. It's an innovative financial services firm seeking to change the way families engage with their finances. And after spending most of his career working in the retirement plan industry, he set out on his own with a business model designed to get families the financial help that they need when they need it without it costing an arm or a leg to access financial advice. Mark and his wife, Rebecca, live in De Pere, where they currently homeschool their two children. Hi, Mark. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Joel. (laughs) Welcome to the studio. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of family finances and college planning, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Well, I've been married for 20 years now um, to the same woman. Just for you. (laughs) And we've got two kids, a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old that keep us plenty busy. And what, what are their favorite things to do? Oh, my son is just to be out of the house, I think. Um, yeah. So uh, he's into basketball and cross country and okay. uh, they keep him busy most of the year. But sure, um, he's all of a sudden got his own uh, his own life, uh, which is an interesting change for Doesn't us. Doesn't that happen at that age? They just all of a sudden you don't see them anymore. Their rooms are empty. They come to sleep and eat. And that's about it. That, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got two. uh Two late teens. Well, my son has just turned 21, so we've just come over that cusp. But now we're dealing with the adult transitions to their own apartments, their own life, their own everything. So sometimes we feel like we're just in the way. (laughs) All right. So homeschooling, you and your wife have been homeschooling the entire time your kids were at home. No, uh, we started with my son in seventh grade and my daughter, we started when she was in third grade. So my daughter came first. Okay. Um, and then my son. Tell us about that transition. Well, my daughter was bored. Um, so she, she was going to public school and getting good grades, but, uh, she was just miserable. She was spending most of her time teaching other students. Okay. And (laughs) she, she really wasn't learning a ton. Hmm. So we she uh student becomes the master yeah she actually uh put together a a plan uh, so we told her that she needed to sell me cuz i was the reluctant homeschool dad okay um my my wife was all in i i was the one that was dragging my feet and uh yeah she put together this uh pros and cons list and uh, we went out for dinner one night and she made her case and okay it was pretty convincing and what were the points that really put that over you that you said, yes, we're going to do this? It, it was really that she put the effort into thinking about it. 
Um, I mean, it was clear that she gave it so much thought. I don't know that there was any one or two points that put me over the top. Yeah. But, uh, were you the dad that said, we'll do it for the one year and see how it goes. We'll absolutely. revisit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was thinking that it was going to be a, a tragic year. I, okay. mean, I was really thinking that it was going to be horrible. Yeah. Um, but it, it turned out just the opposite. Yeah. That happened to us too. When we first started our, my in-laws, Jenny's uh, mom and dad, they would come over and they were very, very supportive of our homeschooling efforts. But every once in a while, grandpa would start throwing a little quizzes at the kids just to make sure they were learning all that they need to learn. You know, so we kind of had some some backup, so to speak, in our in our homeschooling there with the in-laws. So you have been in the financial services industries, focusing primarily on retirement planning. Yeah, uh, focusing almost exclusively on retirement planning, Okay, specifically qualified retirement plans. Okay. So, and then now we're at the point where you're offering a new service. I am. And what is that all about? That's college planning. College planning. Yeah. In the past, uh, college planning uh, was just a savings mechanism, kind of like a retirement plan. Right. You you knew college was coming. You wanted to put some money away. It was an exercise in finding the right vehicle. Was it a 529? Is it something else? Sure. Um, And that was really all that I thought about college planning. Okay. So what came across your, your, your desk one day that says, I really need to start offering this. It it wasn't all at once. Okay. So we started going to these college fairs with my 16 year old. Okay. Um, So college fairs and the homeschool conferences and all of that, where you just see college after college after college. And I'm trying to help him think through, okay, what do you look for? Right. What, what qualities do you want in an, in a university? Mm-hmm. Um, do you need to go to a university? Um, how much is it going to cost? And what I started to notice is all of these colleges and universities were being really vague about the costs. Right. Yeah, they would give you averages. They would give you the sticker price. They would talk about scholarships. They would talk about grants. But at the end of the day, when you were done talking to them, you had no idea what the actual cost was going to be for you. Right. Or for me. Right. And that really bothered me. Yeah. This is the biggest purchase that kids are going to make in their young lives. And this is going to be something that sticks with them for decades. Mm -hmm. It's going to impact how much house they could buy, what cars they could buy, how they're raising their kids. I mean, it's going to affect everything in their life. Right. And we're not getting great information from universities. Right. And so when it comes to the information that a family were to really need, you know, what is the list of things that families should be looking out for when it comes to how they're pricing their, their kids' education? I, I'm not sure that it's a list. Okay. I mean, everybody's different. Sure. So, I mean, you certainly need to know the cost of the education mm-hmm. all in for you. Right. Um, you also need to know if the school's a good fit. I mean, so that might even be more important than the cost um, because you don't want to send your kid to a a college that they're going to be miserable at uh, just because kids are so different from them. Right. Um, We had that situation come up with our daughter. Uh, She had been applying to different colleges and she was really weighing the on campus versus online. And she applied to a college um, in Milwaukee near us and she got accepted. 
But the entire time I was thinking, now I know my daughter and I know big old Milwaukee. I'm not seeing a really good fit in terms of this big, huge city with my my daughter. Um, I could see her maybe on a smaller campus in a smaller city, but even big old Milwaukee was kind of, it's intimidating for me even as the parent. So yeah, when it comes to children, it's not only are you going to be studying, you know, the, the right curriculum that you need to study for the, the goals that you want to have in the future, but you also have to live in this place for four plus years, you know, and these are all factors I would assume have to play a part in how you're going to get through college. How are you going to live? Where are you going to stay? Are you going to be on campus, off campus, online, offline? Correct? Yeah. How easy is it to get to work? I mean, yeah, exactly. Do you have to take a bus? Do they allow a car on the first year of campus, if at all? Right. All those different things. Fantastic. When college comes up for the typical homeschool family, let's say, and they come to you and they say, Mark, help us out. What is typically, what do you do with these families when they first meet you? Well, what we do is we have a talk about what their goals are. Okay. So what are you trying to do? Um, is college right for your students? I yeah. mean, that, that's probably the first thing. Right. And if college is right, what are you looking to get out of it? Um, because there's a lot of ways to get an education. Um, you, you have you ever with- met a family where you said, I don't know if college is right for your child? I've met lots of colleges or I've met lots of students uh, that I think college might not be the right place for you right now. Okay. Um, and I say that about my own kid. Yeah. Um, so we'd very much like for our son and our daughter to take a break. Uh, once they graduate, take that year, try to figure out who they are a little better. Right. Um, and then if it's the right thing to do, go to an academy. Okay. So you sit with the family and you iron out some goals that they have. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about the process. Yeah. So we sit down, we just talk about what, what they want to get out of life. Um, do they need college to get that? Can they get it a different way? Um, because if they could get to the same place in life without spending a bunch of money on college, great. Um, so we start there. Yeah. Do you need to spend the time? Do you need to spend the money? And if you Mm -hmm. do, then we start reverse engineering the financial aid process. Okay. So a lot of students don't have any idea how to pick a college. They look around, they see the colleges that are around them. They talk to friends, uh, friends of friends, and they know how experiences were mainly in in a 60, hundred mile radius of where they live. Yeah. And that's their experience. Okay. But they don't really look for colleges outside of that. So- What I can do is I can, through this software that I have, um, reverse engineer the financial aid process to put colleges on their map. Okay. That would be expected to give them good deals. Okay. So, so you're actually even providing services where you can help them potentially see college, these colleges that weren't normally on their radar, that's could provide them the best education based on the type of education that they want and coincide with the financial ability that they have. Right. You don't want a student to overpay for an education. Right. You want them to get a good education for a great price. Exactly. So the getting the great price is really the tricky part because (laughs) colleges don't want to be open and upfront about what kind of financial aid they're going to give you. 
Exactly. And then we have the in-state and out-of-state tuition differences. Is there ever a situation where it's even better to possibly be out-of-state than in-state, or is it always best to be in-state? Oh, it could absolutely be better to be out-of-state. How so? Um, so that's breaking the big myth. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's actually cheaper for our son to go to MIT than it is for him to go to UWGB. University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. How did that work out? Well, it's because, uh, you know, these Ivy League schools uh, like MIT or Harvard or Princeton, they pay 100% of your need. Okay. So if you get in, and it's yeah. hard to get in, obviously. Right. Um, but if you get in, they take care of 100% of your calculated need. Okay. Uh, where UWGB uh, wouldn't. Oh. They, they pay much lower percentages of need. Okay. So... Good to know. It's not always best to stay in state. Right. And, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois and Michigan, we've got this Midwest consortium uh, and that exists in lots of regions Mm -hmm. where the states have agreements with other states to to give pricing discounts. So out of state tuition at public schools is very similar to in-state tuition at public schools. Okay. Fascinating. So now the last couple of years, because of the, the health crisis that we've all been dealing with the last couple of years, a lot of the admission requirements for these colleges have uh, kind of put a stop on the, the testing, the ACTs, uh, the SATs. How important are those scores in your college education and your financial uh, aspects to the to college? Well, they haven't stopped the testing. Okay. Um, so the tests still go on and the tests are still really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did is they've made tests optionals, tests optional okay. for the admissions process. Right. The test scores are still very much important when it comes to financial aid. Okay. So even though it's optional currently, which could change next year, we're assuming, it's good to have those tests and the scores to better promote your financial aid that you can possibly get. Right. Okay. Good to know. So, yeah, I mean, with our daughter, it was very much, I don't have to take the test. I'm not taking the test. I'm just going to go and I'm going to get in and, and see what happens. But yeah, the better the test scores, the better they could potentially come out at the end. Yeah. There's some scholarships that, that would be automatic or semi-automatic if you get certain test scores. And if you don't take those tests, <clears throat> then you wouldn't necessarily qualify for those scholarship offers. Okay. And do you assist people with financial aid and and scholarships and that type of thing? Yeah. When you, when you look at a school, you could see what scholarships are available and what the requirements are for those scholarships. Okay. And a lot of schools have automatic or semi-automatic scholarships. If you have a certain GPA, certain test score, et cetera. So that's part of the finding the right school. Yes. So, and with your line of work, you have this information basically in front of you, I'm assuming, right? Which schools offer what in terms of scholarships and assistance? Yeah. Good to know. So this takes a lot of headache, a lot of homework off the, the, the potential applicants list of things to do. It completely reverse engineers that financial aid process. So parents and students can be the ones that are empowered. Yeah. Instead of uh, just hoping and praying that the school that they want gives them a good deal. 
Very nice. You're, you're starting from a, from a position of power. Okay. So tell us about the actual financial aid process. How do you get it? How do you know when it's a good situation to glam onto? How do you know? And what if you really want a school, but the financial aid program isn't really the best, but you really want that school? Is there anything families can do to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit? Well, it all starts with filling out the FAFSA, okay. uh, which comes out October 1st. And how do families do that? Uh, family would, families would do that by going online. And uh, I mean, there's just a, a real simple process to walk through this form. Okay. Uh, it's not a difficult form um, and there's lots of helps. Um, so it's easy to get through. It, it's hard to master because this is the one place in your life that you want to look as poor as possible. Sure. <laughs> and everywhere else that we live, we want to look as rich as possible. Right. You know, we want think we want people to think highly of us. Yes. Um, and when we have this form in front of us and we know that we want to look as poor as possible, we've got to think about every one of those answers. So exactly. So you really want to come across as having a, a financial need. Correct. Right. So we're not necessarily fudging numbers or lying. We're just basically saying here's what it is. Here's what our child needs. And we want to paint the best picture for them to be able to get the assistance that these colleges are offering. Correct. And, and there's some tricks to look as needy as possible. What are those tricks, Mark? So <laughs> parent assets and income count on your count towards your need uh, different than student assets and income. Okay. So students uh, have their income count 50% towards their expected family contribution, where parents' income only counts uh, 20 to 47%, 22 to 47%. Okay. I think. Um, So parent income doesn't count nearly as bad as student income. And students get this offset where they're allowed to have $7,000 in income that doesn't count against them at all. Okay. So that's nice. Yes. But then we look at parent assets. And assets, think of them as cash assets, Okay, um, not jewelry, not collectibles, not stuff like that, but your right. cash assets, um, they only count uh, 5.6% against your need. Okay. Where student assets count 20%. Gotcha. So by shifting some of the assets from students to parents, mm -hmm. assuming your parents responsible, right. um, and you could trust them to hold your assets. And I don't think that that's a big deal with the homeschooling families, but sure. Um, you never know. Yep. Um, so shift assets from things that count. Let me start again. Sure. We're, we're going to shift things to to pools that don't count as badly against you. Okay. And those pools would be, for example, um, you could take money that's sitting in the bank and use it to pay down debt. Okay. Uh, because debt doesn't count on the FAFSA. Okay. So your, your cash assets would, your debt doesn't. So if you use the cash to pay off debt, um, that's a good move. Okay. Um, shifting assets from students to parents, that could be a good move. Okay. So if your child has, you know, a savings account that has $10,000 in it, it'd probably be best to either switch it to the parents. And then would that be accurate? Yeah, there, there's a number of things that you could do. You could switch it to the parents uh, and okay. it counts less. Um, with that kind of money, you, assuming the student has a job, mm -hmm. um, they could contribute to a Roth IRA and, they, and the Roth IRA wouldn't, yes. wouldn't uh, count against 
their expected family contribution. Okay. So you can invest your surplus monies. Right. And, and when you take money out of a Roth to pay college tuition, you don't get the penalty. Right. Very good so to know. You might, might have to pay a little tax on the earnings if you do well. Yeah. Um, but if you're just putting it there as an alternative to savings, you keep it in a money market. You don't really have to worry about that. Okay. So in terms of the parental contribution, what type of assets would the FAFSA be looking for from on the parent's side? Basically, whatever's in their bank account at this time, or are they looking at house, cars, vacation properties, boats? What What's all included in that? Yeah, the FAFSA doesn't count uh, anything but the cash assets. So okay. cash value of life insurance, cash on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, do, it even excludes retirement accounts. Okay. So your retirement accounts don't count against you. Nice. Nice to know. So whatever's in your bank account is primarily what they're going to be looking at. Right. Now, the public schools use the FAFSA, but the private schools use something else. They use something called the CSS. Okay. And that does count your home equity against you. Okay. So if you're looking to go to a private school, um, your needs going to be lessened because you're, you show as having more assets because you own a house. Understood. Home equity could be a huge asset. Yes, for sure. Um, Well, that's good to know, especially for parents, you know, who maybe even helping their children pay for college, uh, as well as the child who's going through college who might be carrying this debt load. Um, It's good to know that you know, these, these tricks exist that, that these things that that we can look at to kind of help us get through this college experience with as less debt as we can and still get the best education possible. Yeah. And with the home equity, uh, a lot of times we inflate the value of our house because Mm -hmm. we're thinking about, okay, in a perfect market, if I was going to sell this, how much do I think I'd be able to get? And that's the number that people write, right. In terms of their home value. Right. Um, but they're really looking for more of a fire sale. Yeah. You know, if you had to sell it today, you were moving out of the country, you had to sell it fast. Um, what would you get today? Yes. And that's a very different number. A lot it of is. Times. It is. And we've seen that the last few years. You know, a lot of people maybe have been blessed with a higher value on their house than they're normally used to. A lot of people don't even know what their current value of their house is, you know, but. It helps when we have these numbers. It helps when we plan for our child's future, yeah. right? Yeah, if you're going through it, don't use the number on Zillow. <laughs> Why not, Mark? <laughs> What's wrong with Zillow? <laughs> I'll tell I am a real estate appraiser by day, and I will explain something about Zillow. Zillow is a very popular tool, and it definitely has its pros, and it definitely has its cons. However, what Zillow does for you homeowners is it it aggregates uh, the property values of pretty much every house in your local market, not necessarily just the house that's houses that are similar to yours. So if you are in a 1400 square foot ranch home, your Zillow will compare you to 3000 square foot colonials as well as other 1400 square foot ranch homes. So just be wary of that when you're looking at Zillow for your property values and always hire a professional appraiser. If you really know, want to know the true number (laughs) plug, plug. All right. So who ultimately is eligible for financial aid, Mark? Everybody's eligible for any, for financial aid. Uh, So do people ever get denied it? Well, it depends on what you 
what you think of as financial aid. Okay. Because when a lot of people think about financial aid, they're thinking about scholarships and they're thinking about grants. Yes. The, the free money. Right. But what colleges refer to as financial aid is more than that. Not only is it the scholarships and the grants that they would apply, it's also work study programs okay. and it's loans. Yes. Now, when I hear loan, I don't think of that as financial aid. You know, I, no. Financial burden. Right. <laughs> But colleges see loans as financial aid. Okay. And there are some good loans that are out there. You know, mm -hmm. the, the subsidized direct loans. Yes. Those, those are good options for students that need loans. Uh, unsubsidized, maybe not as much. Right. Um, so tell me about the work study programs that some colleges offer. Yeah. So, you know, some colleges uh, need resident assistance or they have working relationships with local businesses and uh, they use that as a mechanism where students can earn money uh, towards their tuition. Sometimes that goes directly to the college. Sometimes it gets paid directly to the student. Okay. And colleges will help students find those opportunities? They will. I mean, they don't guarantee them though. Okay. So you might see a work-study program on an award letter that doesn't mean that they've got a job lined up for, for you. It okay. means that you're eligible right. for, for applying for okay. one of these study programs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, the college is, it's, as a parent, it can be very stressful um, because we want to do what's right for our, our sons and daughters. Um, and then when we're even helping our, our sons and daughters pay for college, we also want to know that we're getting the best deal that's not going to burden us for many, many years afterwards. And it's good to know that, you know, services such as yours actually exist where families can actually give you a call or meet you in person and just say, walk us through what we need to know. Yeah. And budgeting is really important. So there's a whole budgeting module that I walk families through. Okay. And it really helps set the tone for how the how the student's going to pay for their college. Sure. Because parents only have so much money. Right. Especially homeschool families where you might have 12 kids. Oh um, yeah. Th there's only so much that you could allot to anyone. Exactly. So it's really important that parents and their students are on the same page about who's paying what cost. So once you know what the college that you want to go to is going to cost you, you've got to figure out how you're going to come up with the money. Now, those financial aid packages, they certainly help, but they might not close the whole gap. Okay. So by budgeting, uh, you could open the, the conversation with other family members. So grandparents might have money socked away, but you've never asked. Okay. Uh, or maybe the students assuming that the parents really going to help more than they have the ability to. Mm -hmm. um, so having those conversations is really key. Right. And what's the best way to help a young family or young student start the budgeting process? What is typically the things that they need to learn first? Well, we start by uh, looking at the cost of the college. So not, not the sticker price, the net cost after we figure out what their GPA is and what their test scores are and what scholarships we think that they're going to be eligible for. That's going to give us a net number. And then we start talking to the, to their parents. You know, okay. Um, so you don't have to pay for drum lessons anymore. You know, that's a couple hundred dollars a month. And, um, you know, my son eats us out of house and home. Right. Uh, so that's a couple hundred dollars a yeah. month that we're not spending on him. True. Um, so we start redirecting the money that we're already spending on our kids okay. towards a college 
budget to, okay. to help with the cash flow. And then we talk, talk to the students who might be working or have a $10,000 savings account because they've worked in high school. Right. And we start having the same conversations with them. How much of what you're making can you afford to set aside for tuition? Right. And can you work while you're in school? Can you work while you're in school? Or is that, are you going to sacrifice your grades? And I mean, you just have open, honest conversations with families and it's amazing how well it goes. I mean, it helps parents connect with kids. It keeps them aligned all through college. Plus it helps them to see the value of financial planning. Yeah. Which Students, when they graduate high school, they've probably gone through some kind of personal finance course. Uh, they know the concepts, but they've never actually had to do it for themselves. Correct. This is, the, this is a key opportunity that we have as parents to help our kids to know how to do financial planning, to, to budget, to look at pros and cons of big purchases. Right. Uh, to make sound decisions. I mean, we're modeling financial prudence for them through this process. Right. And that's important as parents is if we don't have a firm financial foundation in terms of our practices with money, how we deal with money, um, how money is dealing with us, um, we're not going to help our students advance any faster than anything else. And as parents, we haven't been taught for the most part you know, what a sound financial practice in life should be. You know, we may have been taught how to fill out a checkbook. We may have been taught about credit cards, um, but that's about it. You know, it, I was an adult when I had to deal with the fact that I knew nothing about finances. So I was the one that went through the Dave Ramsey class and I was the one who did the, the debt snowball and everything that he talked about to get to the point where, you know, now we, we live a debt-free life and we, we save and we do everything that Dave Ramsey says, but something should be happening in these families before Dave Ramsey's needed, I would think, you know, and when it comes to public schools, you're probably not going to get that, but as homeschool families, this is even an opportunity to start a new curriculum, so to speak, in your own homeschool, where you're actually sitting with your children and you're, you're explaining financial practices, modeling financial practices for them, actually helping them with a budget, even if it's just, you know, with the money that they make on the side or during Christmas or birthdays, what they can do with that, the, the, the concept of saving, compound interest, things like that, that really aren't taught anywhere else except through the family. And that's so important, families, is that you are the model for your children. And if you don't have it together, they're not going to have it together. So this is a perfect opportunity to not only talk about college planning, but it's also a perfect opportunity to talk about budgeting and even for your own retirement planning. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So when it comes to, tell us about the cost of attendance when it comes to college. The cost of attendance. The expected so, family contribution. Yeah. So the expected family contribution is the number that comes from these financial aid forms. And that's the school's best guess on what your family should contribute. Okay. So that's the number that drives the need. Um, and your expected family contribution is your cost of attendance. So that's the cost of tuition and room and board and books 
and travel expenses and all the stuff that goes into attending college. So your cost of attendance minus your expected family contribution is what the schools deem your need is. Okay. And then your need um, is applied to some other formula that the colleges have where they figure out how much grant money they're going to give okay. for need-based grants. Gotcha. And in terms of grants and applying to grants, is that another service you also help families with when it comes to this process? No, you don't have to apply for the grants. Um, the grants are automatic. It's part of the financial aid package that the school okay. is going to put together. So they're going to put together scholarships if you qualify for them. Um, they'll supplement that with need-based aid if you if you're eligible and they want to give you some of that. Okay. Um, they might throw in a work study program. They might throw in some loans. Sure. Um, all of this uh, fills that need uh, gap. And in terms of like scholarships outside of the college, you know that that students can apply for. Um, is that a direction that you help families with as well in terms of where to look for these types of programs that may be out there? You can look locally. Um, the thing is, the local scholarships, while they're nice, um, they're usually small. Um, they're usually uh, hard to get. Um, so you've got to weigh the pros and cons. Is it really worth spending hours and hours filling out these applications yeah. for a $500 scholarship for, or for a chance at a $500 scholarship or sure. $1,000? And what the colleges do on the back end a lot of times is, in my view, kind of evil. We'll take that thousand dollar scholarship that you get from Rotary or whoever, uh -huh. and they'll use that to offset your need. So they use it against you. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter where you get the, the need fulfilled. If somebody's filling it, the college doesn't have to give you the money. Understood. Understood. So, yeah. That hit me. Uh, we were at a, a conference and I thought that it was neat that uh, one of these colleges had a wheel that you spin, and if you hit the right uh, thing on the wheel, uh, you qualified for uh, a nice little scholarship. I'm like, oh, that's easy money, right? Exactly. But no, that's just money that they already were setting aside for you, probably. Yes. Um, that they're just going to you know, play around with and yeah. give to you this automatic thing that they were right. going to give you. Like if they were going to give you a $20,000 scholarship for merit, they might change that to 18.5 because you got this $1,500 scholarship over here. <laughs> they get you one way or another, Mark. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's great that you provide a service such as this, especially for homeschool families, but you don't necessarily have to be a homeschool family to, to utilize the services Mike Mark has. So, with that, Mark, what are the main things our our listeners should really consider when it comes time to give you a call and say, Mark, help us? What do we need to do first? Well, the first thing that you need to do is have an idea of what colleges you want to go to. Okay. Um, because I, I could help you understand whether those are feasible for you financially mm -hmm. or not. Um the second thing that you need to do is have some kind of idea what your budget is. Okay. So, and if you don't, if you come in and you don't have any idea what your budget is, uh -huh. I could help. Sure. Um, but it's, it's easier if you do have an idea of what your budget is. Right. Um, and we'll, we'll talk through all of those things. Okay. Um, but then the third thing is to understand that this is a process. So more than anything, you know, this isn't a one and done conversation. This is an ongoing process and it's going to be a long process 
from finding the right schools to filling out the aid stuff, right. To analyzing the aid offers and, and making good selections and, and right. then uh, maybe even finding good loans for you um, to fill the gap. I mean, this is a two-year process. Okay. So families, it's really not just a one and done situation. If you contact Mark for assistance in college planning, Mark's going to be with you for this, this ride during the long haul. Uh, Mark is going to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row throughout the entire course of your child's education. Um, and you're not floating out there alone. Is that accurate, Mark? Well, there's always a duck that goes astray. <laughs> but Mark has a big net. <laughs> Try to back. bring them back. <laughs> Fantastic. Is there any parting information that you want to uh, give to our families as they start looking into college planning? The one thing that I would say is don't take college's word for anything. Um, these colleges are out there to sell you an education and you need to know that they're out there selling you an education. And it's really important that you learn to be a good buyer of the education. Absolutely. Don't get sold. Be a smart buyer. Exactly. That's where Mark comes in. Mark, how can people find you? You can find me online at my website, www.transformretirement.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Mark, for all this incredible information. Uh, it's so important for our families to understand and, and know more about what it takes to get their their children into a, into a successful college without bankrupting you along the way. So we thank you for this information, Mark. And families, we know that you are doing the very best that you can. And we know that your families are going to do nothing but prosper during this, this time of home education and college planning. If you need help, please contact Mark and he will be glad to offer any assistance that you need and answer any questions that you have. That you have. And again, thank you so much for listening this week, everybody. And we will catch you next week on a new episode of the Homeschool Loftcast. <laughs>